What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Hope Huddle Podcast, your place for inspiration, hope, and empowerment. You ever uh, help someone out of something and then they go in and put themselves back out of the very thing that you helped them come out of? Oh, okay, y'all have connected quick. I didn't even have to explain that one too much. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like y'all caught that quick. Ain't it the most frustrating thing when you have helped somebody to come out of something and they themselves put themselves in the very thing you helped them to come out of? I was thinking about this. See, I grew up playing freeze tag. Anybody play freeze tag? Yeah, youngins, I know all you know is iPads and tablets and you don't go out. How many of you were outside when you were young? We, we, we were outside. We used to play outside. Remember freeze tag? The whole premise of freeze tag is somebody was it. Remember? You're it. And then the purpose of the purpose that the, the, the person that was it had to go around touching people, and what would happen when, they, when, you, when, they, when you were touched? You had to, and you had to stay frozen because the person that was it would have to go around trying to find everybody else to freeze them, so they would, you put yourself out here, so they just stay here. <laughs> and then somebody else would come that was free and would unfreeze them, tag them to be free. Did you, thank you so much, God uses you tremendously. That was an amazing illustration that we did not plan, but y'all are in the spirit. Let's thank God for them. But it would be the most frustrating thing when you would unfree somebody, tag someone, and then they themselves would just stay there, frozen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, run, be free, you can go, and they're just standing there waiting to get tagged again. It's the same thing like a game. Y'all ever played Capture the Flag? Y'all remember Capture the Flag? It's an amazing game. I love Capture. I can't play it no more. My knees, my ankles, everything. Uh, But I remember I was a beast at Capture the Flag because I had, you know, I've, I've always had, you know, my small frame. So I always was quick, had agility, had speed. So what would happen is my team's flag would be on the opposite side and the whole premise was I, need, I needed to go retrieve the flag and then that team had their flag on my side and they would come. Now the thing is once you stepped into enemy's territory, they could capture you and you would have to go to a corner where you were in prison. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so you would have to stay in the prison until somebody from your team had the courage to come to enemy lines and bring you back to their side. It would be the most frustrating thing when they would send me, and I was like, I was always, I will try to hide from being the one to go into the enemy's territory. But they would just be like, everybody's on the other side, they're in prison. And they start looking around. You, go get them, because they just see me and they just assume that I was quick, and I was. And so I'll go, and I'll start running, and then I'll start untagging, letting everybody out, and they will just be walking towards back to our camp. You got to run. You got to hide. You got to move. You got to... <laughs> you got to stiff arm some people and go back to where you're safe. It's the most frustrating thing 
when you've been set free, but you yourself put yourself back in bondage. It's frustrating. It's upsetting. It's tiring. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians had this very frustration. I'm talking about he was upset. He was frustrated. He had an aggressive tone in the book of Galatians because he had found a church planted in Asia Minor, these churches in Galatia. And so several churches that he had built up and he had taught them, this church, the true gospel about being free in Christ. Now, I want you to understand because the world will tell you that Christianity and following Christ is oppressive and you are enslaved and you are, and you are all these things, but I want to tell you that they're not reading the same Bible that I'm reading because in Galatians, it's a book that talks about the freedom that we have in Christ. I want to let you know that when you come to the Lord, it's not to oppress you, it's not to subdue you, it's not to enslave you, but in fact, the Bible declares that you are set free when you come Jesus. Amen. And the Bible declares, it goes a little further, Jesus said, the one who the Son sets free, if you are free in Jesus, you are free indeed. Freedom to live free from oppression. Freedom to live with purpose. Freedom to live without shame. Freedom to live without purpose and in a relationship with God. Freedom to not be held back by bondage and enslaved by the things of our past. Freedom to not be the same person that I was before. Freedom in Christ. But here's the thing, the, 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 the Apostle Paul in the book of uh, Galatians, he's frustrated, he's upset. I have to set a little context before we get into the scripture. Is it all right if I teach you today? Is it all right if I teach you today? All right, I wanna, t- I wanna lay a good foundation for this series here. Uh, um, I've been praying and preparing and I believe it's gonna be a tremendous blessing, but I gotta lay the foundation. Someone say foundation. So let me tell you what's happening. Uh, so the Apostle Paul is now upset because these false teachers that were called Judaizers, who were these Jewish uh, uh, so-called believers that now were doing false teachings in the churches that he had left, and he had taught them the true gospel. He had told them, you are free in Christ. You don't have to do anything extra. You don't have to practice any extra ceremonies and rituals and all of these things that you used to do in the past, these religious things that you used to do, the law that you used to follow because the law was, as the Bible declares, it was a yoke of bondage because there were approximately 613 laws that the Jewish people had to follow. And so when these Jewish believers, now they came to Christ, the apostle Paul was teaching them, you are free in Christ. You don't have to follow 613 laws and if you break one of them, you're condemned, you're going to hell and you'll never have a relationship with God. He's saying, no, no, you just have to walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. So here are these Judaizers, these false teachers that come in, They crept up in the church and they were spreading these false teachings saying, hey, yes, you have to follow Jesus, but you still have to follow the law. And so now they were conflicted because they were coming back to Paul like, listen, Paul, you taught us that this is how we're supposed to live, act, and walk, and and follow Jesus, but we're getting these teachings now and, and, and they're telling us that I have to do all these extra things. And so this is why Paul was upset because he was telling them, you are already free. Why do you want to enslave yourself to a yoke of bondage? 
Now this may not make sense to you because you're saying I'm not Jewish, I don't understand any of that context, uh, I, I, I don't have to follow 613 laws, but it's the same spiritual principle when God has set you free from the person you used to be and here you are already free in Christ, but you go back to the same identity. Go back to the same relationships that God brought you from. Back from the same environments that God snatched you out of and here you are putting yourself, yes, I believe in love and love Jesus, but I just want to go back and do the things that I used to do. Why do you want to enslave yourself once again to the sin that had you bound? God already set you free from those people. God already delivered you from that addiction, that bondage, and the habit. But why are you going back to those things? So he was conflicted. He was conflicted in many ways because, number one, here are these false teachers. They're spreading false teaching, these Judaizers. So he had to address them. There's an aggressive tone in the book of Galatians. Not only that, but they began to question that he was a real apostle. They began to question him because they're saying, how is this man spreading this message that we're not supposed to follow the law? Then if we don't follow the law, then we're just going to live degenerate lives. Because we don't follow the law. We're just going to live lives of chaos and in the flesh. So he's saying, all right, I got to address several things. Because I'm telling you, when you, when you help somebody and they just won't want to listen to you, it's frustrating. So he writes this letter to them. And he says, not only do I have to address the fact that you're, that you're uh, 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 doubting my apostleship, the authenticity of my calling. So I got to address that. Number two, I got to address these false teachings. That's number two, uh, that we have to go back to the law. He said, you've been free from that. Number three, I have to address this concept that if, I, if you don't follow the law, then I'm free to just live however, and I'm going to live a life of the flesh, and I'm going to live a degenerate life. I have to address that. And number four, y'all just get on my nerves. I'm going to talk to y'all. So he's addressing all of these things. So now here we are. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, let's get into the scripture. And I want you to uh, read this with me there and, uh, silently as I read it aloud. So he's, he's addressing all of these issues, all right? He's addressing these issues. And so that's why there's this, such an aggressive tone. He says, so I say, he's talking to these churches, walk by the what? Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what, ex what is contrary to the spirit. I just want to take a real brief pause right there. A real brief pause. I want to let you know that, that there is a battle every morning that you wake up. There is a battle every morning that you wake up. The battle is between the flesh and the spirit, and they are opposing forces. One of them hates the other, and this one hates the other alike. The battle between the flesh and the spirit. See, the spirit is what's connected to God. It's what longs to pray. But the flesh is the one that says, you're too tired to pray. Why don't you just go to sleep? The, 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 the spirit says, serve God and give him all that you got. But the flesh is the one that says, you're weak. You're unqualified. You have no purpose. There's a war that is constantly going on between what my flesh desires and what my spirit is wanting and longing. So he's here addressing it. He's here addressing, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been conflicted in your faith? 
Just let, raise your hand, make me feel good because I go through this even as a pastor. There are things that I know my spirit wants to do, but the flesh is just like, hmm, do it tomorrow or do it never. Because see, the spirit will put you in uncharted territories. When you follow the spirit, it will make you walk by faith because there are certain uncertainties between the human and the, in your human flesh. But, but the Bible declares that we should walk by faith. See, walking in the spirit will sometimes make you uncomfortable. Walking in the spirit will sometimes make you battle. And so he's addressing it. So that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's move forward. The acts of the flesh are obvious because, see, the flesh manifests itself and it's obvious when, pe when people are in the flesh. The flesh is obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions. I know none of y'all go through these things. I know, I know, I know, I know none of y'all go through these things. Um, but people that are watching online, you might, you might be like, this is what I'm struggling with. So, so he said, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's mighty quiet. Can I just get a, like a good amen? Let me know you're still awake. All right. It's my, I, I know. I know. Trust me. When I was reading this, I was like, oh, the flesh. Huh. Let's move forward. But the fruit, someone say fruit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Huh. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, been crucif have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So here it is. He's addressing all of these things because they were conflicted. And he was saying, listen, if you try to, if you try to follow Christ within your own strength, you are always going to fall and you're going to be a victim to the flesh. If you try to do it within your own works, your good works, and try to accomplish this, he says, you're going to fall short. You're not going to be able to do it. He says, if you try to overcome the struggle and the battle that you are going through with your own abilities, you're going to fall short. So, pastor, how in the world do I overcome the flesh? Anybody want to know how to overcome the flesh? Amen. Am I speaking to the right church? Anybody want to know? Yeah. Here it is. By the Spirit of God. Amen. By the Spirit of God. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now listen, through this series, I'm going to be going through the, the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to give you three fruits today, uh, three aspects rather. I want to give you three aspects of the fruit of the Spirit today. We're going to focus because of time. We're going to focus on three of them. And so the first fruit is love. Someone say love. Let me break down love. Can I break down love for you? 
In the Bible, love uh, is described in different ways. See, in, in, in scripture, uh, see, in, in the English language, language, we just have the word love. It's one word. Uh, and, and, and in Spanish, it's much like, much like the Greek, and because that's the original language the Bible was written in, in Greek, Old Testament and Hebrew. And so, and so it's much like Spanish, because in Spanish, we have several ways that you can describe love, don't we? We can say, we can say te amo, for my non-Spanish speakers, that's, I'm just saying I love you. Uh, if you're non-Spanish speaking, let's practice it. You're gonna get, you came to Hope Center to get a Spanish class. Praise the Lord. Say with me, te amo. Yeah. Right? That's one word to say love. And then there's another word to use that you can describe love. Te quiero. My non-Spanish speaker, let's try it out. Say, te quiero. Te quiero. <laughs> so much like, much like Spanish in the Greek, there were four ways to describe love. There was... There was uh, Eros love, which meant romantic love. There was philia love, which was a brotherly family love. There was storge love, which was a love that described care and affection. And then the fourth and more important uh, aspect of love, it was agape love. And so when it's using in the scripture here in Galatians 5, it's saying love, it's referring to agape love. What is agape love? Agape love is sacrificial love. Agape love is a love that is not emotion-based, but it is choice and mental, and it is, and it is, and it is a, a, a love that says, I will go above and beyond even when you don't deserve it. And this is the same love that is used in, in John chapter 3, verse 16, when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so he who believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. That love that he's using is agape love because agape love is God's love. It's sacrificial love. It's a love that loves unconditionally. It's a love that loves without reservation. It's a love that says I will go above and beyond. It's a love that says even when I don't like you, I'm still gonna love you. See, most times when we tell people we love them, we really mean I really like you. But as soon as you cross me, we're done. Mary, folks, I love you. But as soon as you get on my nerves, I ain't cooking dinner for you. Okay, it's just, it's just getting awkward here, so I'm just going to look at the, the camera. <laughs> See, love in society is I will like you until you do something wrong, until you cross me, until you fail me. But God's love, agape love, is one that says, even when you fail, I will be right there to love you. Thank God for the love of God. Thank God for the love of Jesus. Thank God for that love that says, even when you're in the most broken condition, I love you anyways. Even in your fallen state, I love you anyways. Even when you make mistakes, I will be there to pick you up and set you on your way. Agape love. So when, here's the amazing thing. When we come to the Lord, he gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit. Let me teach you. He gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit, and within the Holy Spirit, he produces this fruit. Now, there are many things that are listed. It said love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, all these things. But it's not fruits. Notice, it's singular. It says fruit of the Spirit because it's one fruit, but it has many different aspects, meaning that every believer, when you give your life to the Lord, you are able to manifest and bear all of these different aspects. See, some say, I don't have no self-control. Say, I'm not patient, but can I tell you, the spirit within you that God gave you, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is patient. Yeah. 
is loving, is gentle, does have self-control. So when you are doing things on your own strength, you will always find yourself being ugly, upset, bad attitude, cutting people off, hurting people. But when you begin to surrender to the Spirit of God, you will begin to manifest these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. So can I tell you, you can love your wife with agape love. You can love your husband with agape love. You can love your brothers and sisters in Christ with agape love. You can love that nasty, rude coworker with agape love. Some of, y'all, some of y'all saying, there's some people that are just unlovable, Pastor. But he's saying, see, the thing is, you're looking at it within your own strength. That's why you feel like it's not possible. But see, there is nothing impossible for the Spirit of God that lives within you. And it is when you surrender your life to the Spirit of God and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to love this person, but help me to love this person. God, I don't like my wife right now. My wife is in Hope Kids, so I'm just going to go ahead and... I don't like my wife right now, but God help me to love my wife. See, it's not an emotion, it's a decision. And some of y'all have this concept of love twisted because you think it's emotional. So uh, when I ask people, why did you break up or why are you not together? Because I fell out of love. Because I don't feel it anymore. Real love, agape love is a choice. That's why you have to be very discerning and prayerful about the friendships, relationships, and marriages you get into. Because once you make a decision and you make a covenant and a commitment, it's no going back, baby. That's why you have to be prayerful from the beginning. Because there have been many seasons and moments where I have felt like giving up on my family. There have been many moments where I've been tempted to give up on my faith and on my calling. But see, the spirit of God that is within me says, you have power, love, and self-control within you. You have faith, hope, and love within you. There is love within you. And it is when I surrender to the love of God within me, that's when I'm able to love. Y'all think it's easy being a pastor here? Every day I have to pray, Lord, help me to love your people the way you love them. Give me your eyes to see them the way you see them. Because sometimes I will look at people and just say, Lord, have mercy, ain't no hope for them. But see, as believers, not only because I'm the pastor, our duty is to say, God, give me your eyes to see them the way you see them. Because I can see them in their condition, but I want to see them based on their heavenly position. God, give me your heart for them. Help me to love who's undeserving. Help me to love the unlovable. Because the Bible says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. When you what? When you love one another. We will make a difference in the world when the world sees love in the church. That's when they'll see. That's when they'll say, I want to know what's happening in that church. I want to know what is it. And I'm so thankful for our church because when I ask people, why do you like our church or why did you come back to our church? And they tell me, I love this. I, I want to cry and fall back when they tell me, I just felt so loved. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. Why does he give us that? Because God is love. So he, you only produce a fruit after his own kind. You can't plant an apple seed and get oranges back. Whew, man, I'm preaching good. I'm going to watch this on YouTube this week. You can't sow. You can't sow. Uh, 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 avocado pit and get a pear. You only produce after your own kind. If I were to look at my babies and they had blue eyes, 
I'll be like, hold on, where the milkman at? <laughs> because, see, my babies look like me because I produce after my own kind. And because God is love, his spirit lives within you, you can also love. Pastor, I've been jaded by love. It's hard for me to love. It's hard for me to forgive. It's hard for me to trust. It's hard for me to extend a hand of grace. It's hard for me to help my brother and my sister. I know it's hard for you, but not hard for the spirit. All you have to do is surrender to the spirit. I hope I'm helping somebody. I hope I'm helping somebody. Let me give you the second thing. I'm running. I'm looking at that timer. I'm next week, I'm going I'm to I'm smash that timer. Let me, give you, let me give you number two. The Bible says that an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Someone say joy. joy. This joy is very, is different from, from happiness. See, happiness and joy are not the same things scripturally. Happiness is external. Happiness depends on outward circumstances. Happiness depends on what happens to me. Happiness is based on chance. But the thing about joy, the spirit within you will produce joy. Joy is internal. The joy of the Lord depends on the inward. The joy of the Lord depends on who it is based on, and that is on what Christ has already done. So it's saying that you can, you can live a life of joy I get tired of hearing and seeing people talk about when you come to the Lord, you're miserable. The devil is a liar. You're miserable. I ain't miserable. I live a life full of joy. Every day that I wake up, I wake up saying, Lord, thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and I will be glad. When I wake up, I wake up with joy knowing that God is moving on the inside. He's living in my heart. And that in every day that I'm living, I'm declaring today is a day of blessing. Today is a day that God can use me. Today is a day that I can be salt and light wherever I go. Today is a day I live with joy. Now, Pastor, so you live happy every day? No. Joy is a choice. See, happiness is based on your happenings. So as long as your condition is good, you're happy. But the Lord wanted to do something greater in your life. Not for you to live miserable. Not for you to live enslaved to the addiction, to the habit, to that cycle, to that pattern. He came to give you joy and joy and abundance. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that joy is inward. It's not based on anybody or anything. That joy lives on the inside of you. When the Bible is talking about joy, it's talking about something that the world can't give you and the world can't take it away. I want to tell some believers in the house, I'm so glad that you are here because we get to celebrate the joy of the Lord for what he, what he what he's already done in our lives are there any joyful people in the house today that say I don't feel joyful but I choose joy today see joy is a choice and he's saying when you lean and depend on the Holy Spirit you will begin to develop manifest and bear a fruit of joy the apostle knew knew about this Bible declares that this man was persecuted, beat stone so many times, but yet in the most critical condition, he will say, I rejoice in the Lord. 
In fact, the book of Philippians, the whole premise of the book is about joy. This man was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians. He was losing his eyesight when he was in the book of Philippians. He was getting ready to cross over to eternal life. He was already going to die by the time he was, he was being helped to write the book of Philippians. But do you know what he would say in the book of Philippians? He would say, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice because he knew my joy does not come based on what's happening around me. My joy does not come from anything external. My joy does not come from my possessions. My joy, these are all wonderful things, but my joy does not come from my money. My joy does not come from the things that happen to me. My joy does not come from anything else. My joy comes from the Lord who created the heavens and the earth, who loved me, who changed my life, who turned me around he has given me a joy that is unspeakable that's the joy it's talking about and you can't experience that joy unless you lean on his spirit that's why there could be people 15 20 30 years in church and they still are miserable funky attitude always upset mad that doesn't reflect the scripture why is it that you can be coming to a place for a long time and not experience any of these things, I would venture and propose to say to you today that perhaps the reason why you're not seeing that change is because you haven't truly surrendered to the Holy Spirit. See, just coming to church is like sitting in my garage and saying, I'm going to convert and become a car. It don't work that way. Just coming to church and simply saying, I'm here to check it off the list, it won't produce the fruit. That's like having gym membership and saying I'm gonna lose weight but you never use the machines inside the gym. I'm just gonna catch into myself. And you pay for it month after month. Some of y'all three years still got the card, it's dusty. I'm a member though. See, just being a member doesn't produce the fruit. <laughs> Am I helping somebody, brother? I just want to know. You can come to church all your life and not be changed, still be miserable, still be upset, still fulfilling the desires, the lusts of the flesh, still living in addiction. Why? Because you're doing it on your own strength. But when you surrender to the Spirit, you can also experience, go back to the Scripture, it says peace. And I'll close with this one. Peace. Love, joy, and peace. This peace is a special peace. This is the peace of God that the Bible said surpasses all understanding. This peace is not only the peace of God, but it's a special peace because it means peace with God. Because of what Jesus has done, no longer am I at odds with Jesus so I can have his peace. And boy, you can live your life being a believer and not experiencing peace but I want to tell you today I'm so glad that you came to the house because the devil has told you that you will not be able to live in peace because your circumstance have told you that you will be miserable all of your life that you will not be able to move forward you will not be able to forgive you will not be able to fulfill your purpose you will not live a life of joy of love and peace but I came to tell you today that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place to give you peace this peace is a special kind of peace 
It's not only the absence of fighting or conflict, but this peace is one that is filled with blessing, with goodness. This peace is a peace that this is how I practically look at this scripture and live this out. Because life happens to everyone. If you live long enough, you will go through some things in life that will try to take away your peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do I have a witness? You're looking at your money and it's looking kind of funny. That'll take away your peace. You're looking at the condition of your family and it takes away your peace. You're looking at how things are going in your business and that can take away your peace. But I want to tell you that Jesus did not die, resurrect from the dead, and come to give us abundant life for you to live a life of torment, of misery, and live a life without peace. I want to let you know that the Spirit of the Lord can give you peace that surpasses all understanding, that surpasses your circumstance, that surpasses your situation, that surpasses what your bank account is telling you, that can surpass what the doctor is telling you that can surpass what people are saying about you. And the way that I practically look at this because I've been hit in my life. Can I be real, my brother? I've gone through some attacks in my life physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But it is in those moments that I remember those words and I say, God, I'm leaning on your spirit because I can't do it on my own. God, I know that I don't see with my eyes where the answer is coming from, but I trust that you've got me. This peace is a peace that says, I've got you. I want to let you know whatever your condition is, whatever it is that you're battling with, the God that created the heavens and the universe says to you, I've got you. I don't know what you're going through, but I want to let you know today that God has got you. Is there anybody that can say, God, I thank you that you've got me. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor. I told him you would talk to them. Tell him God's got you. Look at somebody like you believe it and tell them God has got you. God has you. He's got your life under control. He's got your finances in his hands. He's got your body in his hands. He's got your mind. He's a mind regulator. He's a way maker. He's a miracle worker. He may not come when you want him but he will show up on time. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I've got you. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I came to awaken somebody who feels that God has left you, that your prayers are not being answered, and I want to remind you that he gives you peace and he says, I've got you. Hallelujah. I've got your family, I've got your marriage, I've got your finances, I've got your future, I've got your ministry, I've got it all. I've got it all in my hand. But Lord, it doesn't feel like you have it in your hand. See, because the flesh is feelings based, but faith is not based on feelings. 
and when you say, God, I don't see the answer. God, I don't know how it's gonna happen. The way that I've overcome all of those mental battles in the flesh, I remind myself that if God did it before, he will do it again. If God opened the door before, he will do it again. If God made a way before, I wish I had somebody that had a testimony and that would say, God, I thank you because you made a way before. I know that you will make a way again. You've got me. You've got me. I don't know how, I don't know when, but you've got me. My feelings are telling me something else, but your spirit is saying, keep going. I'm preaching to somebody. My God, your flesh is telling you, you have nothing more to give. It's your time to give up. It's your time to give in. That's the flesh, but the spirit of God says, keep going. I'm not through with you yet. I've got you. The fruit produces love, joy, and peace. I don't produce it. Just coming to a building doesn't produce it. Just claiming that you're a believer doesn't do it. It's when you submit, surrender to the Holy Spirit and say, you've got me and I've got you. And I will hold on to that promise with dear life because you've got me. Is there anyone grateful for the Holy Spirit today? Some of y'all are looking at me funny like the Spirit of God hasn't done anything to you. I said, are you grateful today for the Holy Spirit? Once again, much love and appreciation for listening to today's message. I'm so glad that you've been a part of the listening experience. But let me tell you, there's nothing like the live experience. It cannot be explained, only experience. And so I encourage you to come out on a Sunday so you can listen to the messages live and be a part of a wonderful atmosphere within family and within community. You can find more information about our gatherings on our website at myhopecenter.org. Also make sure to follow us. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at my hope center. I also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you get notified as soon as we upload content. Make sure to share it with your friends and your family. There's someone that you know that could really benefit from these messages. So make sure to spread the word about what's happening here on the Hope Huddle podcast. So again, I hope to see you soon. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.